0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every
1: day. Welcome to Postcast. David Locke along with Ron Boone after the Utah Jazz defeat the Dallas Mavericks by the score of 119-112. A very different win for the Utah Jazz than they've been having as of late. We'll talk about that. The kid steps forward late in the ballgame again, and the Jazz... Deal with guards scoring often. That's what's coming up on Postcast tonight.
0: Life is complicated, especially right now. You're spending more time inside, unable to go to restaurants, and that means you're cooking dinner. But if you're like me, I hate cooking
1: We start this one with JJ Barea dominating, and at halftime he had 20 points. The Jazz allowed 60 plus points to opposing point guards. What was going on early in this game that was causing JJ Barea to have such success against well, the Jazz? Know, he's
2: very good, first of all, and, and he's quick, and he was just getting it and using the screens very well. I mean, Rubio was having the trail behind him, uh, and then when he would go underneath, and JJ Barea was knocking down some threes. He had five threes tonight, four of those coming in the fir- in, in the first half. Uh, he's a good player. I mean, he's a good, rugged player. He had a couple of little floaters over Rudy Gobert, so he he had it going in that first half, so what did the Jazz do? They put someone on him a little taller, which was uh, Joe Ingles and you know, it kind of slowed him down a little bit.
1: Hello to whoever just said hi to us on the Periscope version of the program today. We appreciate that. Mm-hmm. All right, so this is a very different – this is the worst defensive outing that the Utah Jazz have had since Rudy Gobert came back. The Jazz have been winning games with defense, surviving offensively, and tonight the Jazz exploited a Dallas defense that's not bad. It's not, This is a team that's the fifth-worst record in the NBA, but they are about 17th offensively and 21st defensively. They're not a terrible team. In What – what did the, let's start with the positive. What did the Jazz do so well offensively tonight that allowed them to be able to win a game offensively? Well,
2: they shot a very good percentage, first of all. I mean, that's from the threes, that's from the free throw line, and, that, and that's also from the from the two-point range. Uh, Derek Favors, 56 points in the paint. Derek Favors and Rudy Gobert, you know, had a pretty good night there as well. So, And you and I talked about at the beginning of the ball game that you felt that, that was what we're going to be watching to see what the Jazz could do in the paint. Uh, Derek, Dirk doesn't play in the paint. He doesn't play. The, he plays away from the basket. So they really don't have anyone that could, for the most part, just keep the Jazz totally from scoring. So uh, that was one area that the Jazz had some success.
1: Interesting tonight. The Jazz, I believe, if I'm right on this, had four field goals in the mid-range, five field goals in the mid-range all night. So they either were really attacking in the basket and actually only looks to me uh, unofficially only nine field goals the whole the night. Uh, that were t- in the restricted area or threes. Maybe there's one or two others, but so they were either attacking a Dallas team, which we opened the broadcast as Ron talked about, time out of there, 29th in the league defending the rim, 28th in defending the paint overall, but they're the number one team at denying it, and you could see it when you drove to the basket tonight. There were three guys there, so that then led to the Jazz. One, they stayed aggressive going to the basket, which I think is impressive. The second part was, though, it did give them kick-out threes, which they knocked down.
2: Yeah, exactly, and that's what the Jazz are so used to getting, those uncontested three-point looks. And you got to give Ricky Rubio because he was almost, well, for the most part, matching J.J. Barea, especially in that first quarter. Uh, you know, he knocked down a ton of threes. What did he have in the first quarter? I think Ricky had, well, he only had one, but he ended up with four for the ball game. you know, in, in three. So uh, it was a matchup between the two point guards?
1: Uh, I don't think we've lost this year if he scored 20 points. He had 22 tonight. Late in the game, Donovan Donovan had a spectacular 26. I mean, they were a hard 26. His three-point shoot is not, shot is not falling. He took six tonight, which I think is the fewest he's taken since the All-Star break. Uh, unofficially, uh, just doing this off the top of my head without looking at my notes, I think he's three of his last 21 from three. So he's really scuffling on that. And he's had to really turn his game into an almost exclusively drive game. And the creativity by which he got points tonight was something else.
2: Yeah, it, it really is, and I'm starting to worry a little bit uh, about some of the low percentage shots that he's shooting going to the basket. He, he's, he's he's one of those players that he drives to the basket and he reacts to the defense and gets shots off, and and he makes some spectacular shots. I thought a couple of times tonight he challenged when he didn't really have to, uh, but he's, he's very good, though, I, I think, at, at finishing, so... Uh, just well, like, if he's
1: not making the threes, clearly made a little adjustment there yeah. by taking less. What's his other, what's what is the other choice?
2: Well, the other choice is it, it, something he's been doing all season long. It's just he was very selective and, and uh, didn't take a lot of low percentage shots. Um, and now he's trying to get to the basket a little bit more, which is good. Which is good. I mean, he, he's still a rookie, but um, you know, what? Just remember Alec Burks. You know, some of the low percentage shots that he has to, you know, shoot in traffic sometimes. The uh, thing is
1: that Donovan's finishing at 64%, and Alec mm-hmm. hasn't finished over 50% for <laughs> almost any year in his career.
2: And, and, that's, and that's a good sign. I just hope that he doesn't fall in love with that to the point where he's uh, he's not knocking down the three, so now he's driving to the basket a little bit more, and, and, uh, and things start to go haywire.
1: One thing that Dallas really was going to do is they were not going to let Ruby Gobert drive. We're seeing that more and more. Gobert had that stretch of four I think out of five games with 2010 now we've got back-to-back teams that are not going to allow Rudy Gobert to go to the basket and and so what is the Jazz reaction not having that roller anymore well
2: when when they take away that roller that means that they should get uh the three-point shot somewhere um because they're sagging in on the weak side of the floor and that's one of the reasons that you get uh the, the corner three so so often so by taking that away um Ricky, for the most part, is also getting a little uh, shot that I'm so fascinated with that going to his left. Left yeah, 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 but you know, when they take away something like that, something else is open. And, and I'm sure that other teams have done it enough against the Jazz that Quinn Snyder is very much aware of that, and this is what we should get out of that.
1: A question just came in. What's wrong with the Jazz three-point shooting defense recently? This is the second time in three games. The the really easy answer, Ron, from my standpoint, with my background, is it's called regression to the mean. Teams were shooting 30% on above-the-break threes. It's the most thing that has the largest variance in the league is opponents' three-point shooting and almost always goes back to average. Have you seen anything, though, from your standpoint that says they're doing something wrong defensively that's allowing these guys to hit these threes?
2: Usually when teams like that uh, get hot, like the Dallas Mavericks tonight, it wasn't a lot of their set offense that got them the threes. I, I thought it was kind of the, the early offense, not transition offense, but the early offense with uh, with um, J.J. coming down and, and immediately getting a high screen there in, in – Uh, in the middle of the floor or something and creating something like that and then you know a lot of times you can you you know teams make contested threes on you I mean there's not a lot you can do about that I thought Barnes had had a couple uh J.J. Barea had one over Rudy Gobert I mean those are contested threes that you usually don't look uh, you don't seem like they're going to fall but but they do and as you mentioned the Dallas Mavericks have been pretty good from the three-point line as of late.
1: All right, Joe Ingles had ten assists tonight. As the Jazz used three different guys a lot in the pick and roll with Rubio, Mitchell, and Ingles. Favors was a beast. Uh, Crowder and Gobert having their big impact. Those were the big six. They all played over thirty minutes tonight. Anything else you want to add on this? One?
2: No, we're just glad to get this ball game over. I thought this was a, a recovery game, you know, from the uh, from the Atlanta Hawks game there at home. Uh, this is a very important basketball game now and, and you know going into uh, playing the San Antonio Spurs.
1: We'll be with you tomorrow as the Jazz play the Spurs from San Antonio. Jazz win their 12th straight road game, uh, second longest streak in franchise history, the 119 112 win over the pesky Dallas Mavericks. This has been postcast, part of the locked on podcast network of locked on Jazz.